Welcome to Arena Athletes, your home for MTG Arena Strategy. Step inside the digital arena with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Brought to you by Face to Face Games. You are listening to Arena Athletes number 117, MP3. My name is David Seville. I have Travis Sowers on the line with me again this week. How are you, sir? I'm handsome. How are you, David? Uh, it never gets old. Never gets old. I'm pretty good, actually. Um, some big life stuff happening this week, but, uh, you know, I've always got time to talk to my best magic buddy. Do you know where he is this week? Oh, you hung out there for a minute because you were going to say best buddy. I could tell you were thinking I'm your best buddy. That's so cute. Yeah, you got it. Uh, how about you? What's uh, what's happened in the streaming world this week? Uh, life's been pretty good. I've been playing a lot of Magic. Stream has been going great. I've played some other games on stream too and had some fun with that. Um, I think I've had my fill of drafting War of the Spark for the next little bit. Uh, so I'm actually excited to see that go back to Gates Matter for the ranked event, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And I'm going to be playing some standard. Got the fandom event to cast. So like, life is good stream-wise. Awesome, awesome. Glad to see you. Glad to see you're still doing the the fandom stuff. So that's that's always exciting. Even though standard is rotating out, not rotating out. Sorry, it's going to change fairly quickly. Did you know that M twenty is like two weeks away? No one has mentioned that in my stream and asked me what I think of the, this random card that they saw. Man, it's I I had no idea it was like the pre release is basically two weekends away, and we can tell people this. Did you see, did you get the email? Oh yeah, we t- t- tell away. Uh, you and I, again, have been invited to participate in the uh, preview event on MTG Arena. This time, it's actually significantly earlier. So Wizards has invited us both to participate uh, on Monday, July 1st. Canada Day, did you know that? It's Canada Day? Hey, I didn't know you guys even had a day. That's awesome. We do have a day, and it's earlier than your day. Just, just want to throw that out there. So yeah, so uh, Wizards... Basically, the deal is they invite a bunch of streamers, us included, uh, totally free. I think we're hashtag sponsored for the event. Um, even though we don't get to keep anything, we get to play basically sealed and this time draft for free, it looks like. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I will be streaming that all day. Yeah, I don't know how much I'll get to stream given that it's Canada Day and up here. That means that you have to bathe in maple syrup um, while <laughs> building your igloo in this in the 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 summer heat. So, mm-hmm. But I'm sure I can find some time to play there. Yeah, I imagine you'll get a game or two in. And then pre-release is on the 5th, if I understand correctly, which means I think our set review is probably going to end up being next week. Oh, wow. Okay, so we should have spoilers soon, too. That means I need to get with Ethan about doing a stream review as well. I, I would think so. We might have to adjust our schedule because I bet you they come out on Friday, the 28th. Yeah. And normally we do our podcast on the Wednesday. Well, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Either way, uh, you're going to have a podcast from us with our set review. And then you're going to have a podcast with us with our uh, first impressions the week after. So you're going to get two of those podcasts before your pre-release, uh, assuming you're going to play paper pre-release. So looking forward to that. Um, what's your take on core sets now that they're they're back? And this will be, I guess, the second one in recent memory. I've always enjoyed core sets, and I'm glad that they're back. I feel that they're a nice palate cleanser between complicated-like sets, and they kind of let you revert back to basic magic. Um, and sort of get ready for what the next set is. So, like, was it cool drafting with a million Planeswalkers? Yeah, it was kind of cool. Am I kind of over it? Yeah, I'm I'm ready to go back to basics and draft some creatures and combat tricks and solid removal spells. Um, all of the criticisms that you had about core set that you made the last time we played, that it's a little bit harder to show off your skill while you're playing, certainly apply. And, like, that's a thing. Like, it's not as complex so the skills, skill ceiling is a little bit lower, but it's still a nice, fun way to like get ready for the next set that comes out and a great way for them to introduce cards into standard that wouldn't really fit thematically into a, an advanced level set. So I, I'm thrilled to see core sets return. I think one of my problems is with the core sets, and I'm discovering this now, and it's it's really just a personal thing. It's no like It's not a slam against core sets in general because I think they do serve a purpose, is that I find that as the spoilers are coming out, it feels so like disconnected from all of the other cards in the set. So when I see a rare, it's like this doesn't fit 
in the theme of the set because the set doesn't usually have a theme, yeah. if that makes sense. And I, I think that comes from the lack of new mechanics. So when you get a new block and we get a bunch of new mechanics, usually there are cards that are built around those mechanics, even if they don't have the mechanic explicitly on them. So, you know, you might have a Spells Matter theme um, in a set that introduced Prowess, for example, right? So, like, you get, you know, a bunch of spell recursion from the graveyard and things like that. So you have this connecting theme, and then there's always a story on top of that, and everything's kind of intricately woven together, and you get this, like you look at the whole mosaic of the of the cards in the set in, in its entirety and you're like wow this all makes sense i understand this i see the big picture and then i look at a core set and i'm like oh hey there's a like a big dumb green creature that doesn't really fit any theme except that it's just a big dumb green creature um i'm trying to remember what the last one we saw was was that uh the ggg creature was that an m19 the Gigantosaurus, or Gigantosaurus, or whatever it was, you know the one I'm talking about. That was a, that was a corset card, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was, and and it's just like you know, it's just like this is cool, and like, but it just doesn't fit anywhere. And I, that's what I get when I see corsets. But the a couple of the cards that have been previewed so far it looks like there's um, maybe a, a sub tribal theme going on. Like we've got dinosaurs and and vampires i know those are your favorite those are two of my favorite tribes ever (laughs) so we're gonna see if there's a little bit of a deeper theme there uh i think the soren that was spoiled today has a as a vampire um like you need vampires for him to work properly i think so um we're gonna see if there's some themes there but like uh i have trouble getting into spoiler season with the core set usually and this one's no different but everybody likes different things so i'm not gonna complain too much about it I've always said that spoiler season is is to get people excited for constructed decks that they want to build. I don't think that most limited players get like horribly excited about spoiler season, or at least I know that I don't. Like I want to see the whole set, but that's just because I'm anti fun. You are anti fun. I don't know. I like seeing the themes and the, the mechanics. I think the mechanics are my favorite part. Yeah, of spoiler season. Get, getting the and, mechanics is kind of where I want to be. That's fair. And I don't get that. Although we did see, I did see that protection is back. So I think that's kind of interesting. Um, interesting is one way to say it. Yeah, I think I think it is. I think it's you know it looks like there's a there's a cycle of cards that have protection from a single color. So um, protection from green or blue or red or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays in best of one versus best of three. In that you probably don't play them in best of one, but maybe you do if they're good enough. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But that's really the only kind of quote new thing that we're going to see. Everything else is is returning mechanics. So okay. So color hosers are back. It looks like it. Um, what we had some some news this week. If you want to go over some of that, do you want to start with arena news or do you want to do your your pitch first? Yeah, let's talk about the uh, arena athletes Patreon. Like this is kind of a big deal for us. Um, we've had a Patreon for a while since since back in the men from Moto days, uh, but we have now refurbished it, rebranded it. It's at patreon.com slash arena underscore athletes. Uh, I want to start off by thanking the Patreons that we already have. I'm going to do a little segment at the beginning of podcast uh, in the future where we thank the new Patreons for that week. But I'm going to start this one off for a minute by just thanking the people that have already supported us and then tell you what Patreon's about and how you can get involved if you'd like to. So thank you to Vikings and Androids, Kevin Morey, Morgan Sessa, Adrian Carr, Brian Schrum. Andrew Irvin, Michael Sun, and Chris Poulton. Uh, these are our current Patreons, so thank you very much for your support through the Men for Moto days and forward. Um, what Patreon is is a way that you can support financially projects that you like, like Arena Athletes. Uh, we have a couple things set up as like cool rewards when you do that. Uh, you can set yourself up to like support it for a, a dollar an episode or $2 per episode as far as you want to go. But what we have right now, uh, if you join at the dollar level, is you get access to a Discord server, which we just set up, uh, a microphone check, which Dave and I record at the beginning of every episode to make sure the mic levels are correct and to discuss the topics. Um, it's worth noting that those are not G-rated, although the show is. Uh, and we'll thank you when you sign up. Uh, so if if you like what we're doing and you're able to support it, I've been in a position in my life where four bucks a month was a lot of money and in a position where it wasn't. So if you dig what we're doing and you would like to support it, we would love to have you on board. Uh, if you're not able to do so financially, like don't sweat it, man. Uh, tell a friend about the podcast or just sit back and relax and enjoy. We're glad you're here. Uh, but this is a big step for us, like setting up the new Patreon and kind of pushing that out and showing it to the world. 
Uh, we're also still working on re- like exactly what the rewards will be for the two and four dollar slots. Um, so like if that's something you're interested in too, we would love some feedback either through uh, Twitter or through the Discord, or you can always come by our streams and talk to us. Uh, so check out the Patreon. We'd love it if you'd uh, check out the site and let us know what you think. Yeah, absolutely. I know that uh, I've been putting some of that dollars towards saving for new podcasting equipment, which is what the whole purpose of this was originally. So it's uh, it's been good to us so far, and hopefully we can grow it a little bit and carry it on. Yeah, and thank you to our thank thank you to our patrons uh, for their ongoing support um, since the Men for Moto days. I mean, that wasn't that long ago, but Men for Moto did start a, quite a while ago, so it's been quite the journey so far. Thank you for that. Uh, we have some uh, just brief arena news we're going to go over this week. So for those that don't like War of the Spark best of one, it seems very polarizing. I actually kind of liked it, um, but whatever. That's just me. I did, um, and then I didn't, and then I did again, and now I don't. And I think if I had another week, I'd like it again, but I, I go back and forth, man. I think it just depends on if you're winning or not. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think that's the same for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I've had some pretty good success in it so far, so uh, I'm pretty happy with that. Um, but next... Is it this week or is it next week that RNA is the ranked draft? Uh, it is this week, two days from the time of recording, about 24 okay. hours from the time you listen into it. All right, so RNA uh, is coming up for ranked draft, which for some people is probably too quick, too soon on the heels since the la- we last had it as like the, the primary best of three draft. Um, but you can go back and listen to some primers on that one. I'm not a fan of that format, so I'll probably avoid it, but that's a good time for me to get some last uh, War of the Spark best of three in before... It rotates out permanently in place of M20 uh, corset. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also announced the M20 uh, bundle, which uh, this is uh, a repeat of what they did. I think for the last set was the first one that they did, but where you can do a, a pre-order of your of your bundle for fifty dollars. I believe how many you get fifty packs? Is that right? You get a ton of packs. Like you can check it out in the store. The main thing I wanted to do was let people know that it's there, and it does mm-hmm. come with a pretty sweet card back. I was casting one of the Fandom Legends events, and I saw Huey had this awesome looking card back, and I was like, "Where did he get that?" And then I saw that it was with the bundle. So it's like I just wanted people to know that it's there. If you're going to buy a bunch of packs anyway, now I would tell you you should draft. But if you don't care that much about draft and you want to play standard and you just want the packs, buy them now and get a cool card back. Like I've been super impressed with the cosmetics. And like I would almost buy this just for that card back, except I, I really just want to draft my way into those cards. Yeah, and you also get a, a Chandra uh the you get a, a copy of the planeswalker card i believe it is the uh the mythic rare one that was spoiled yeah um just recently so so that's kind of cool um i believe it comes out to the same cost as buying 50 packs normally so you get like that extra value of the card back sleeves which you know range from you know 600 gems or whatever to, to 1500 gems depending on on the quality of them i suppose um and then a free card as well on top of that so it's if you're buying the packs anyway, like Travis said, it's it's a no-brainer to do this. Yeah. Um, and then finally, we've got the last, I believe it's the last event in the Chronicles, uh, number five, which is Ravnica Block Constructed. Uh, Travis, I know this isn't normally your thing, but did you did you play any of the Counters event at all? I haven't played any of these. I, I don't think these are designed for me, but I still think it's a good idea to point that out that these are here. And honestly, even though I haven't done them, I sincerely hope that they will continue to do them. Because I've seen mm-hmm. people go nuts in my chat over it, like having some free event that you can play in and win something. It's just a terrific idea to have going constantly. Uh, so this last one is, yeah, block constructed, bring your deck, get your 10 wins, get your card styles. And I really do yeah. hope they keep doing these. Yeah. I'm much more of a fan of the ones that don't break the, the basic rules of magic, um, but sometimes they can be fun. Like, I really like the Cascade event that we've had in the past. Um, the Counters one wasn't as fun to me. It just seemed like uh, the Esper control decks just got a free blocker every turn and then also, like, ramp their Planeswalkers up to to their ultimates a little quicker. But there were some cool decks that were going around, and there was, like, Unblockable Merfolk, and there was, you know, play as many two drops that you can that have plus one, plus one counters on them and try to run your opponent over. So it was kind of neat to see the 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 variety of decks in the format. Um, Ravnica Block Constructed does seem to be more interesting to me because it is... Like there's no, there's no, you're not breaking any of the rules of magic here. So it's, it's more of a, who's the better deck builder and who's the better pilot in that case without maybe the, the swinginess of some of these random style events. So I'm looking forward to giving that a try at the very least. It's a free event. 
And if I'm going to be playing anyway, if I don't care about ranking up, I might as well have some fun with this event. So we'll, we'll give it a try and we'll see if we can find some decks that, uh, that break the format. Yeah, sounds good, man. All right. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we get into the Mythic Championships? No, I, th- I think I'm covered. All right. So this weekend is the Mythic Championship 3, which is the first online Mythic Championship, not to be confused with the Mythic Invitational. And the difference here is is that there was actually a, a route to qualify for the Mythic Championship. Um, so what we had was is we had the uh, the combination of the Magic Pro League members, um, some qualifiers that qualified through the Mythic Qualifier Weekend, mm-hmm. right? Is that right? M- MQW, um, which you participated in, unfortunately didn't didn't do that well. Otherwise, you'd be in Vegas right now. Um, so there were sixteen players, I think, that came out of that. And then they also invited um, a bunch of, I guess what they're calling them all challengers, but they invited a bunch of people that didn't qualify. Uh, some of these are, are Magic Pros, Louis Scott Vargas, for example. Some of them are uh, prominent streamers uh, or just prominent Magic personalities. So they kind of have this a wild card or a catch-all spot of people that didn't qualify through normal means. And all of these players are are high-quality Magic players. That's I think that's the thing to keep in mind is when you're looking at this event. So obviously you know that the MPL players are high-quality because they are, you know, 32 of the top 40 or top 45 or whatever players in the world at the time that this league was created. Obviously the 16 players that qualified through the, the arena tournament are very skilled because not only did they get to Mythic, but they also crushed thousands and thousands of players along the way to, to get to the top 16 of that MCQ or the, the MQW. And then all of the people that have that have been invited, um, either have like tournaments that they've won. Like you have Louis Scott Vargas, for example, who is like what like a three time, two time Pro Tour champion, bunch of top eights or whatever. So like obviously he's got he's got chops. But also people like Emma Handy, who is a grinder on the uh, Star City Games uh, circuit, and she you know crushes basically content online she puts out high quality content online when it comes to modern and standard um so like you you run the gambit of people that have played on the pro tour to people that are are more magic personalities when it comes to the pro tour I maybe mean, they haven't necessarily made the pro tour um but they're all high quality magic players and we're going to see i think obviously one of the best competitions i think significantly better than the Mythic Invitational when it comes to quality of play, but also structure of the tournament. And I'm looking forward to see how this plays out and what the viewership is like on Twitch. I'm interested in that too. Uh, some key points for me uh, as we're getting ready to like participate in this, watch it however you're going to consume it or just look over it. Uh, there's a $750,000 prize pool. So this is a pretty crazy big event. Uh, there's three days of competition. Uh, it's all going to be standard. And all of the deck lists are actually published uh, already. If you go to magic.wizards.com and fool around a little bit, uh, I found it just by Googling Mythic Championship 3. You can find all of the deck lists that everybody has submitted that they're going to be playing for these. I'm thinking about trying out some of these on stream tomorrow uh, so we can just kind of fool around with these decks and see what looks good. But like, if you want to get pre-gamed for this, you can actually go look. And if you're interested in... like odds of who stands a better chance at at winning this like the players that won their MPL division got a buy not for round one not for two rounds for day one so brad nelson bbd ken yukihiro and saito are just they don't have to play day one they start on day two which is this huge advantage for them uh so like that's that's what playing in the MPL gets you is you don't have to play day one yeah, and, and actually we should talk about that because day day one is 64 players that are playing in a Swiss tournament and it's almost like day one of a GP mm-hmm. where you're looking to hit a certain record in order to advance to the to day two. Um, and by their count, uh, 12 players from day one will, will qualify for day two. And it looks like anybody with an X and three record should make it through if I'm reading this correctly. So it says players who earn six wins will automatically advance to day two. Players who lose four matches are eliminated from the tournament. So it looks like they're going to play down until like once you get six wins, I imagine you don't have to play anymore. Um, And then uh, once you have four losses, you're eliminated from the tournament. Now, another thing to keep in mind about day one is like you might as well go for it because everybody that 
like scrubs out on day one gets the same prize yeah so there if, if you're not first or if you're sorry if you're not top 12 you're last essentially so um and, and the prize jump between like 17th to 68th and and day two is about five thousand dollars which is a significant amount of money when you're looking at you know compared to your seventy five hundred dollars you just get to basically show up to the tournament so so even the people that are you know didn't qualify for day two through the mpl they're playing for a significant chunk of change and this is you know this is not peanuts that we're looking at here yeah this this is a big tournament and it's a big deal for arena like this is the first time arena will be on display in this way I think the Mythic Invitational did a lot to bring attention to Arena as an esport, uh, but I also don't think it was set up to be like the biggest competition. It was meant to be more of a showcase. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas we did have the MPL players there, so it certainly was competitive, and a lot of the invites were competitive players and did very well. But like, I'm I'm interested to see if some of our challengers can make it through. Can some of the people that they invited, the Magic personalities, compete with the MPL players? Can these 16 grinders that did the impossible, like those players had to work their butt off to get to this thing. Uh, I'm interested to see how they'll finish. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I I like the format of this tournament a lot more, especially given that it's best of three compared to best of one. I think that was my biggest gripe of the Mythic Invitational. That was was everyone's biggest gripe. I know, right? And and it was like a pseudo best of three, but this is a true best of three with sideboards. This is magic in its purest. I would say when it comes to the competitive scene, this is basically the format that has been accepted across the world when it comes to GPs and when it comes to the Pro Tour and in the Mythic Championship now. So I am very glad to see that like this is Premier Magic and this is the Premier format. Best of three constructed standard. This is my favorite thing to watch, I think, if I'm not watching Limited. Um, so day one being Swiss, very interested to see. Um, the fact that 12 players come out, I think give, you know, there's going to be a good number of challengers that come out of this. And you have to remember that challengers, um, are like, like I said, there's a lot of pro tour level players that are coming in as challengers. Um, but also the grinders that you're talking about. But I even think some of the invitationals that aren't necessarily pro tour players have a really good shot to get through. If you've metagamed your deck and you've practiced, and this is what you do, if you're a streamer, like let's say, uh, you know, Amazonian, for example, right? She plays day in, day out, it, and if, if she dedicated herself to learning a deck and learning matchups and bringing something that she believes can win, you know, she probably has a shot to make day two. I think everybody here has a shot to make day two, um, some a little better than others, but I think it'll be, you know, a good mix of MPL players and invitationals or uh, challengers that are going to make to day two. Um, if I had to bet, I'd bet on, you know, probably a good number of MPLs, a couple of Proto players, and then a couple of invitationals that maybe weren't at the pro tour level just yet. Yeah. Let's appreciate that. Like one of the people who qualified for this, uh, through playing on arena was Seaman Gordson. Isn't that great? That just tickles me. Like he just retired from doing commentary. Uh, the dude's in the hall of fame and is an amazing magic player. When I was just learning how to draft, uh, Seaman did a draft series for a, a website that I think is gone now. MTGO Academy. Um, but re- regardless, I remember going and watching his draft videos there. It was called Seaman Says. Um, and like, I loved watching that guy draft and explain what he was doing. Um, and I like, he, he's my sleeper pick. I'm hoping that Seaman can just like destroy this. But there's so many people I want to see do well. Like, I'm just scrolling through here. I see Emma, a uh, good friend of the podcast. Like, I'd love to see her do well. I see Ashley. Um, like, I, I always wish her luck. She's a fantastic streamer and someone I would call a friend. Reed Duke is playing Nicol Bolas as a four of. As an eight of. I think he's playing eight in his deck. Yeah, four Dragon Gods, four Ravagers. And like I saw him testing this deck and got to comment on it in one of the Fandom Legends events. And it is absolutely real. So like looking through these lists, there's just there's a lot to be excited about. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of players to root for. There's people that I care about that are involved in this. Like this, this is probably the first tournament that I'll try to catch some of the coverage for, uh, and it's one that I'd like to be at. So like, and and there is a path for me to do that. Like one of the reasons I'm pushing so hard to hit Mythic this season is I want to be able to participate in the next qualifier and have to do the next podcast from you know wherever they're hosting this. Oh, if you ever get, if you ever get invited to this thing or qualify for this thing, I will be Excuse there recording the podcast. When? No, no, before. I'm saying, okay. if you qualify or get invited, I will be there to record the podcast live between rounds. Okay, cool. I'm down All with right, that. You can count on that. Let's go ahead and plan it. 
so once you get through day one, now you got to run into the top four MPL players in day two in a double elimination uh, style tournament with the top four players moving on to Sunday. So this is a little more like the Mythic Invitational. Uh, so it's not a true double elimination uh, because once you've probably earned enough wins, you're just going to auto buy, like you're going to exit the, the tournament and you're going to get qualified for, for day three. Um, and then day three is the remaining four players in a true double elimination, which means that you're playing down uh, until you lose twice. And then once you get to the end, the person coming up from the lower bracket will have to win twice against the player from the upper bracket. So I think it's it's I think it's really cool. I like the way that this is formatted. I I probably prefer this to to single elimination. Um, you know, if you had like a top eight coming out of day one slash day two, and then you just ran a single elimination, I don't think that would be as good for the show. So I really like double elimination format for this. Um, and I think we're going to see some incredibly high quality magic played this weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing the matchups. I've got a couple of decks in here that I'm going to like follow along, um, particular white weenie. I want to see how well it does in the tournament, given that it's like crushing the ladder right now, or at least from the perspective that I'm looking at. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious to see how this plays out. And the only downside is, is that we only get this format for a couple of more weeks before M20 comes out and shakes it up. Yeah, but that's fun too. We get to start it all over again. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that it'll be exciting to see competitive magic played on arena on the world stage. And Watsy, if you're listening, a spectator mode would be super handy. Just saying it'd be really cool. It would be, but to be fair, they do have, I think they do have a really good thing going with how they do the MPL coverage from the player's perspective, right? The way that they have the the hands lined up and the way that they can slide them up and down. I think fandom does something similar to that. So you would Mm -hmm. know, uh, you would know that as well. But I I really think they have, without a spectator mode, I think they're doing the best they can. And I think the best they can is pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good, but I'd love a spectator mode. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to try to catch it this weekend. Uh, starts on Friday, June 21st, early in the morning, which is bananas to me. But I guess Vegas time, you want to make sure everybody has time to go out and party afterward. Yep. Uh, you can catch it at twitch.tv slash magic. Uh, the Friday one starts at 11 Eastern. Uh, it's at 11 Eastern every day is when the show starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what the difference is between watching this and, and how players play in this compared to how they would play in a pro tour. Um, if I remember correctly, the last time around, players were not allowed to play stops and bluff that they had instants. Do you, was that correct? Do you remember that? I remember somebody said something about that in my chat. Uh, yeah, so... I, I, I didn't see that actually happen, but I remember reading somewhere on Reddit or something like that, that that was an actual rule. And I thought that was strange, but given that they, they had a shared timer at that point, I can understand why you wouldn't want people to be able to, um, you know, eat up the shared time. Um, and then have to go to like a life total discrepancy or whatever the, the tiebreaker was at the end. I imagine they're going to play these with the, the chess clocks that they've introduced. Um, so I, I'm hoping that that won't be a problem because I think one of the keys of playing online is be able to kind of run some of those bluffs every once in a while, right? Savvy opponents will pick up on that. So I don't know how much of an edge it would give you at a, you know, mythic championship, for example. Um, but there are things that you can do. To, to essentially bluff that you have cards in your hand. And I like to do especially limited to bluff, you know, combat tricks and things like that. So it'd be interesting to see how the play compares to paper. My favorite way to bluff is still having a creature with an activated ability and something else that I can do. Because then you're not even really bluffing. Um, and I, I feel like that's a better setup. Because, like, if you bluff something for a couple turns, somebody's going to sniff out that you ain't got nothing. But mm-hmm. anyway, that, that will be interesting to see as well, because I imagine they will have the chess clocks, and with the chess clock, you don't have to worry about that. Absolutely. So your sleeper is, again, Simon Gortzen, right? Simon Gortzen, yes. Uh, I'm going to go with LSV. I think LSV has been on a heater lately. Um, not much of a sleeper, but certainly a sleeper in that he's not an MPL member. Um, and I think that, you know... All he's got to do is catch, like, lightning in a bucket. <laughs> is that the term? Lightning in a bottle? I always forget. Somebody once said that around me, lightning in a bucket. I'm pretty sure that's not correct. No, it's, it's not, but I'm, it, I'm saying it now, yeah. You're, you're saying it now, right? All he's got to do is, is just catch, like, a couple of, of good rounds and make it out of day one. And I think I think anybody that makes it out of day one has a really good chance. Um, but I think some a player of his quality, especially if they make it out of day one, um, would have a chance to run the table quite nicely. So that's who I'm rooting for. I just feel like Seaman, like he's he's been here before. He's played high level magic. 
he's kind of got something to prove though, right? And he qualified through the arena system. So like, I believe he could actually pull this off. Mm-hmm. I, I don't disagree. And I, I find it amusing that he like immediately like quits coverage. I think he just did like uh like his thesis or something for his doctorate too. Yeah. Did, did I see that as well? So I, I, I assume him quitting coverage is probably related to career or something like that. And then just goes and runs up like two weeks later. Oh, by the way, I, I qualified through the arena system. Like, how ridiculous is that? It's ridiculous. It's a little ridiculous. So we'll have some good stories. And I, and I think it's pretty cool. It would be really cool if one of the the invited players that was not a Pro Tour member or Hall of Famer um, put on a good run in day one and really made a name for themselves going into day two. Heck yeah. Um, like, especially like a streamer or something like that. I think that would be huge for them and huge for the game, right? It's like... One of the things we talked about, um, you know, last week or the week before, or whatever it was, when we were talking about how the MPL doesn't seem to appeal to us because it's not something we can qualify for, and like it, it, or at least to me anyway, and it kind of doesn't feel like, you know, to the average player, it's like, oh man, I can aspire to be on the MPL one day. Whereas with the Pro Tour or the Mythic Championship, it's like, man, I can totally aspire to do that one day. You know, I can go down to my LGS and I can. I can grind the qualifiers and I can win a regional qualifier and then I can, you know, go on from there and I can make my one run at the Pro Tour and see if I can spike it or something like that to get on the gold train. You know, you can't you can't necessarily do that with the MPL, but you can do that with this. Mm-hmm. And so it's like people can sit down and think, you know, picture themselves in the shoes of an Emma Handy or something like that and say, man, I could totally be there. I can totally be like her. And I think that would be really cool. So, um you know, here's here's to a good show, good storylines, and then a large number of viewers so that they continue to do this in the future. Speaking of a good show, th- uh, that would be my other pick for somebody people are not expecting to crush this, but probably will. I have watched him play in the fandom events every week. That guy is really good at magic, uh, and, and I'm, I'm excited to see him participate in this too. I also think he's been a wonderful addition to our community. It was nice to see him hop over from Hearthstone and just immediately dive into this and, and seemingly fall in love with Magic. I mean, Magic is a superior game. What can we say? We've been saying it all oh, along. Oh, you so. stop it. It's not a superior game. It's a different game. But it, I I like Magic better, obviously. It is a superior game. We don't, we, don't have to, we don't have to mince words here. We don't have to walk on eggshells. <laughs> Magic is the superior game. There's a reason why it's been around for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And Hearthstone hasn't. Okay. I'm just saying. Okay. I'm just saying. It's hard I mean, for me to argue with that. I don't play Hearthstone for a reason. You don't play Hearthstone for a reason. Show doesn't play Hearthstone for a reason. Just saying. This magic game's pretty fun. Magic's pretty fun. Mag I mean, yeah, whatever. Like we we're in the golden age of magic, and I've been saying this for a couple of years now because it's true. Like I think we transitioned from the golden age of limited to the golden age of digital magic. Yeah. And Hopefully soon it'll be the golden age of digital limited magic. Um, but, you know, it's it's only good things right now, and hopefully we can ride this gravy train for a while. Okay. We got to have a Hyper Bowl here. And I think it comes from the fact that the Mythic Championship is happening right now, but also the fact that you've pooped on paper magic for so long that you and I have to do this. We have to have the SmackDown Paper versus online magic. Are you ready for Hyper Bowl 3? I'm ready. Put me in, coach. Okay. Paper magic is superior to digital magic in all forms. Period. That is my that that is the starting point. Let's go. Okay, Hyper Bowl 3. For those that don't know, Hyper Bowl originally was like episode like 17. Do you remember what we argued in Hyper Bowl? I don't. <laughs> well, I don't imagine we, we argued. argued. It was great. It was great. So essentially what we're doing is we're taking a side. We are not moving off of our position. I am for paper magic because I love paper magic. Paper magic is the greatest thing ever. Travis, I know you hate shuffling. Shuffling is the most most therapeutic thing I have ever done. I'm going to I'm going to do this for you right here so people who like ASMR can listen to this. You hear that? That's me shuffling through the cards in a draft pack. You can't do that on Arena. You can't do that on Magic Online. You can't smell the cards. You can't feel the 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 coated cardboard in your hand. You can't appreciate the art of a foil by angling it around and catching the lights of your LGS. 
you can't sleeve up a fresh limited deck at your pre-release and sit down across from your opponent, shake their hand, look them in the eye, and know that you're going to crush their spirit over the next 45 minutes. Shuffle up and deal. The sound of the sleeves shuffling, the... Love that sound. That sounds like a cat purring. It does a bit. The snap, the snap of the cards as you play them on your playmat. Your playmat, which is an art of your choosing, by the way. Did you know that I have a flip playmat? I have the Delver of Secrets playmat from GP Seattle. It is an amazing thing. So I sit down with my opponent. You can't do this online. And I ask them if they want me to be the monster today. And they'll look at me confused. And then I'll flip it over to the the aberration side. I love doing that. It's funny in my head. Maybe not funny. I am a nerd. There are so many things about paper magic that you cannot get digitally that is just this therapeutic, ritualistic experience. It, it can't be beat. You're playing online. You're just like a meat grinder. You're like you're like flipping burgers at McDonald's. You're like, click, yeah, okay, I lose, I don't care. Okay, click, yeah, okay, I win, I don't care. Okay, next game, next game, next game, next game, go. And then by the time you, you get up and look around, it's dark outside, eight hours have gone by, and what have you done with your life? Nothing. You haven't made a single friend. You you got two pips on the ladder. Nah, me. I've made friends at my LGS. I've had laughs. I've had good times. I've shuffled my deck like 30 times. Life is good. And then I think about it on the drive home, and I revel in the fact that I have existed as a person outside of the digital space playing a nerd game that I enjoy with other nerd people that I also enjoy. And that, sir, is why paper magic is superior, infinitely superior to digital magic. Do you walk to work, David? Sometimes. How far is it? I don't know. It's a long way. I don't actually walk to work, but I used to. Yeah, yeah. So people have learned a long time ago that just because something takes longer doesn't mean that it's a superior way to do something. So you're suggesting that a 45-minute match is a good thing. I would argue that a 45-minute match is not a good thing, and that's not what you're guaranteed to get. You might get a 10-minute match... And then 35 minutes of sitting there doing nothing or having to talk to someone that you don't necessarily want to. You also said shaking hands like it's a good thing. I don't want your germs. I've actually never shaken an opponent's hand in paper magic other than my friends who kind of insist on it. Because I don't want to touch them. That sounds terrible. Like, I suppose my experience playing paper magic has been somewhat tainted. But I vividly recall getting back into magic being excited about drafting and being like, I'm going to go to my LGS and I'm going to draft in paper and it's going to be awesome. And I got there at seven, which is when they said to get there. And I was ready to sign up and they said, no, we don't have enough people. Come back at 730. I think we will by then. And I said, okay. And I literally went and sat in my car and listened to limited resources for 20 minutes because I was ready, dude. I was ready. And then I came back in and they were like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. We started right after you walked out. And then I went home and didn't get to draft. And I almost didn't try Paper Magic again because of that. But thankfully, I did finally find Adventures in Comics and Games in Sacramento. And they ran it much better and it was much more fun. But even then, there was only one bathroom for 20 nerds. And if you wanted to use the bathroom, it was kind of happening at the end of the rounds. It was so bad. Like, I can appreciate taking your time and enjoying the three rounds of magic that you're going to play over the course of three hours while you're eating garbage food, hanging out with a bunch of sweaty nerds and fighting over the bathroom. But for me, I can play three rounds in five minutes, go in my kitchen, make a delicious dinner, take a dump in my own bathroom, and then be ready to play more magic. And you haven't even finished a round yet. Like, no, dude. Digital magic is superior in every way. You got your playmats. I got my card backs. Like, I don't mind shuffling, but good God, fire off an Evolving Wilds? Some idiot's going to draft five of them, and you're just going to stare at each other shuffling for an hour. Nobody needs this in their life. Back to your uh, your misfiring draft story. Have you ever found a $20 bill in a parking lot? I have. Once. Okay. It was great. Okay. <laughs> Just, just saying. I mean, it feels like that's that's kind of the story. There is that that feels like the exception, not necessarily the norm. Um, I mean, you're definitely not wrong about uh, the about the LGSs that are subpar. But I think I think the vast majority of the LGSs I've ever been to have been high quality places. I can't believe that you don't want to interact with your opponents though. Like, how do you even know the person across from you digitally is even a person? 
How do you know you're just not playing against the bot? I bet you you've lost to a bot on MTG Arena, and you should feel ashamed for it, but you'll never know that. You'll never know that shame. At least in Paper Magic, I know the people that I'm losing to. I can look them in the eye and can determine that they are a good person and that I lost to a good person. Online, you're losing to an avatar. Like, what does that mean? What does that say about you as a, as a Magic player, as a person? If you're losing to an avatar, you're losing to a nobody. I lose, I lose to people across from me, and I can tell them, you know what, I'm going to beat you again next week, or I'm going to come next week, and I'm going to give you give it my all next week. I can set myself some goals. I can sit down against the same person, and I know what I'm doing. Online, you don't have that. Sure, you might play against the same person. You're not going to recognize them, though, unless you already know them in real life or you know their username in real life. You're just playing against a, a bunch of faceless nobodies. How can that be satisfying to anybody? Do you remember the O3 and Eldritch Moon that pinged and then untapped when you cast a spell? Sure. It was pretty good. Uh, it was a 2 in red for an O3. Uh, tap it to deal 1 damage to target opponent. Untap it uh, when you cast a spell. At GP Montreal, I had an opponent attack me with that. I didn't block because, I mean, it's an O3. Then they cast a combat trick, which untapped it, pumped its power, uh, let it tap, and then cast another one, which untapped it again. And then they tapped it again to lethal me. Mm-hmm. That card has Defender, but I didn't recognize <laughs> that until I'd already signed the match slip. So either that opponent didn't know it either, because you, you didn't remember it, it's possible, or I got angle shot. And that sucks to happen at a GP dude, but people do it. And you can't cheat me on Magic Online. You can't cheat me on Arena. Like, you can't. The game engine maintains the rules. I was at a GP once where I cast, um, God, what was the Yoinks card where you got to take control of their creature in uh, Hour of Devastation? I don't remember it. It was Control Magic. I I cast Control Magic on one of their creatures and put it over on my side of the board and then got ready to attack them with it and actually swung uh, before someone who was watching said that cartouche that's on it can't be on there anymore. And I realized they were right because the cartouches said enchant creature you control and they fall off if control changes. So right in the middle of the attack step, my creature lost flying and flopped right there on the ground uh, where they could block it. But it already attacked the last turn. Like I accidentally angle shot them, but neither of us noticed it or knew it. And like those stupid rules interactions just that you can forget. Like you ever missed a trigger in Paper Magic? You ever no. won a game? You've never missed a trigger ever in Paper Magic. I, I await your appearance <laughs> on the Mythic Championship, my friend. Uh, have you ever won a game because an opponent missed a trigger? Uh, probably. No, I mean, like, I, I get where you're going with this one, right? Like, obviously, you can you can mess up the rules in Paper Magic. Your goal is to not mess up the rules in Paper Magic. I appreciate you can get angle shot. That's my your goal, goal but my not... opponent's goal may not be that. It may be to beat me by any means necessary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you ever misclicked on Magic Arena? Have you ever kept a hand or mulligan in a hand that you shouldn't have because you clicked the wrong button? Have you ever clicked the wrong prompt when scrying a card? I have. That feels bad. I have never misscried a card in Paper Magic or played the wrong land in Paper Magic. Oh, I I've played certainly... the wrong land in Paper Magic. I've no, absolutely... no, 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 no. You're playing it. it... Have you ever played an REL competitive event? Yeah. Okay, because I, I have to say, I, there's plenty of time. Like, I've, I've sat down at GPs from opponents who'd played a land and then said, can I take that back? And I'm like, no, we're not playing FNM. We're not at the kitchen table. You played the land, it's in play. And then next turn, they play the Evolving Wilds of Sadness. I haven't done that. I have never played a land incorrectly. <laughs> okay. Maybe once. Maybe once. I guess my it point is hyperbole. My point is, though, is that, like, the opportunity for mistakes when it comes to, like, misclicks and gameplay errors, infinitely more online than they are in paper. Like, it's a lot harder to pick the wrong card out of your hand in paper and put it down than it is to misclick online. Easily, 100%. Have you ever mis- Have you ever misattacked all on Magic Arena because you're just used to clicking, click, 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 attack all, go, and then, like, run your 1-1 one, one into their 4-4, four, four, and they're like, yeah, of course, what this is the stupidest attack I've ever seen. I think it probably feels like there's more opportunity to make mistakes in the digital format because you play so many more games. The Mm -hmm. most games you can play at an FNM 
is what four games and six hours of hanging around the LGS seven. If you really want to count your drive time, whereas in that time you could literally grind through two entire ranks on arena. So like, yeah, you're, you're going to make some more mistakes, not because the mistakes are easier to make just because you're playing so much more. Like if playing the game is what you're actually interested in, then you could just do a lot more of that in the digital environment. I'm curious how much more you can get out of playing that many games in such a short amount of time. So if your goal is to improve as a player, I'm, and, and this is this is not really hyperbole, hyperbole. This is not really hyperbole because I don't know what the answer is here. This is a genuine question. But like, I would think that at, after a point that the games that you play in a short period of time start to lose efficiency, like effectiveness when it comes to learning how to play. Um, and I'm wondering compared to magic because mag or paper magic is obviously not efficient enough in that, uh, unless you're doing dedicated testing with an opponent or two opponents or something like that. And you're specifically testing matchups, um, because you can get obviously so many more games in online, but like there has to be an upper limit. You know, if you're playing eight hours worth of magic a day on magic arena and you're playing a hundred games, like where are the diminishing returns in that? Um, and, and I, and I think the answer, I think there has to be a place for those diminishing returns. Like I know that I play worse after I've played for six hours. You play worse after you've played for six hours. Does that compare to a GP? Does that compare to sitting around and only playing five rounds of magic in six hours? Like, are you just as exhausted from magic at a GP after six hours versus playing six hours on arena? I don't know what the answer is there, but I'm definitely curious to see if anybody like, you know, has any experience with that because, like I said, my game gets worse after I play a bunch of time on Arena, um, whereas in Paper Magic, I find that I'm still fresh, or at least my gameplay is still fresh, even if I'm not, probably because I haven't played as much Magic yet. You know, and I'll, I'll back off the Hyper Bowl here for a minute, too, but I, <laughs> I do have the experience of playing for a long amount of time online and a long amount of time in Paper. And, like, one of the reasons I dislike Paper is I did chase that GP dream for a while, and I can tell you the last round of a GP you're playing worse. You've really only played nine games, but it doesn't feel like it because one, like one of them, you're just going to win very quickly. One of them, you're going to lose very quickly. One of them's going to go to time, but like that time between rounds is just killer at GPs. And like they say, it's mm -hmm. an hour time limit, but like somebody's going to go to time and there's going to be a judge there watching those last five turns. Like it's really an hour and a half long games. So I, I can remember uh, GP Charlotte, which was prior to Vegas, the, the heaviest attended one they'd ever had. They actually couldn't finish day one on day one. We had to come back with our day one decks for day two and play the first round. So it was like after 12 hours of playing and finishing at like 10 o'clock at night, I had to be back in the tournament hall at eight o'clock to play another game to win an end. And I lost it. It's like, I was super frustrating. See, I've done that with poker, and I didn't feel so bad at the end of the day of poker, but poker's a special beast because you're playing so many hands, so I can see, like, people would get exhausted playing poker, um, but Magic, I don't know, maybe I just haven't played enough paper Magic to, like, long enough tournaments, like, I've never played in a GP, so, like, I don't have that experience, but def definitely curious to see how that compares, I mean, yeah. World Series of Poker players aside, like, you know, your average tournament, poker tournament, is not nearly as long as a GP, I would say if you're just playing a one day or in Vegas. So I mean, I don't know if that really compares. There's a couple times I did a 24 hour stream where I do 12 hours and then another 12 hours. And honestly, that wasn't that bad. My play was pretty garbage for the last two hours of the stream, but like I could handle it. It wasn't driving me nuts. Whereas like after those GPs, I was just ready to pass out. Cause like you're, you're eating garbage. You're standing in long lines for the bathroom like there's just people everywhere and I'm I'm a colossal introvert. So just being around that many people is kind of a challenge for me to begin with. So like I, I you know, hyperbole aside, I understand like what people like about paper magic and it's really the social interaction. And I also understand that I'm in a unique position where I don't need that from paper magic because I'm a full-time streamer. Like I'm interacting with 200 people a day while I'm making my plays anyway. Like that's literally how you and I met was through streaming so, like, for me, digital friends are better because I can always turn the computer off if I need you to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever never, you've never told somebody, somebody to shut up at your LGS? No, I, I don't believe I've had that privilege. I didn't tell them to shut up specifically, but I, I did imply it quite, quite heavily. So, Yeah, you never have awkward situations like that playing digitally. Like, just mute those emotes, fire up your games, and 
be satisfied that there's a human who you whom you have soul crushed. Uh, but I don't need to know who they are. They're just nameless bodies that I'm climbing over. Yeah, how's that climb out of platinum there? It's not great so far. Oh, actually, it is. I'm diamond and mythic. Then, oh, limited. Okay, that's good then. Yeah. In in conclusion, one of my favorite things about Paper Magic is beating the same players at the pre-release to at a giant every single time we go. That is that is satisfying, especially the ones that I don't like. That that is one of my favorite things to do in Paper Magic. So you can't really get that online. I mean, you can and maybe at the high mythic levels, and if you know the person. But like, man, some something it's something to be said about just silently needling your opponent as you sit down and you're about to crush them for like the third time in your third pre-release. It just feels so good. That that is one of my favorite things. Yeah. So and and I appreciate there's a lot to like about Paper Magic. Obviously, the game's super successful, and I've played a ton of Paper Magic. But I'm excited to be living in this digital age where I can share my gameplay experience with everybody that wants to come and hang out. So I'm a digital boy, but I will be playing Paper Magic again one day. Mm-hmm. And I and I do like digital magic. This that's why this is called Hyperbole. Yeah, because it is filled with hyperbole, and also flicking of card sounds. You know, somebody's going to be sound. really into that. And like, why didn't you just do that for the whole episode? I love that sound. Oh my God. The snap of my sleeves is just so good. I can't wait for the pre-release two weeks. And unfortunately, you're not going to be there to play with me, but I will play two at a giant in your honor. I know you love two at a giant paper magic with 41 card decks shuffling. I hope evolving wilds is in this set so I can shuffle my deck like a thousand times at the pre-release. It's going to be so great. I actually really do love two headed giant and I enjoyed playing it on magic online until they took it away. Uh, I still think it was hilarious that the two headed giant set that introduced this new mechanic for two headed giant was the one that broke it and moto just couldn't do it anymore. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's, let's plan on playing some two headed giant magic together one day. Cause I do enjoy the format. Okay, next GP we go to, we'll find the two-headed giant, and we'll do it. Okay, and I want to do a backdraft. And a backdraft, and a chaos draft. Yes. All right, I think we can make that happen. Okay. Okay, cool. I think that's it for the episode this week. So look for us next week, probably a little later in the week, assuming we can get spoiler, like full spoilers. Um, I don't even know if there's a pre-pre-release from Loading Ready Run. I imagine that there is, and we'll have the spoiler the day before or the day of that event. Um, so you might see us come up with an episode uh, on the weekend instead of during the week. And uh, I think we're just going to do a regular set review this time like we normally do. We tried the all the colors last time, every single card, and it was too long. Um, so I think we're just going to go back to our roots and do a normal, here are the cards you care about, here are the cards you probably don't care about. Um, and then we'll give you our first impressions of the set the week after. So it's going to be a rapid-fired uh, season of content with the the new format. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. So where can they catch you streaming in the meantime? Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Simulan. I'm on Twitter under the same. And if you go to, let me actually look it up for you and make sure that I'm giving you the right link. Uh, twitch.tv slash fandom, F-A-N-D-O-M is where you can catch the weekly tournaments. Those are Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. And I am generally co-hosting the Swiss portion of those events with Ethan Sachs. Uh, so you can catch us there if that's something you're interested in. Awesome. And I'm at twitch.tv slash dsavillian. That's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N. And I'm on Twitter the same. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. We are at under, or arena underscore athletes. Once again, thanks to Face to Face Games for the host and the support. We'll catch you next week. Adios.